Amen. Hey, you can be seated. High five somebody around you. Tell them you look like you do CrossFit or something. It is uh, so great to be with you today. If you are here with us for the first time, again, we want to say uh, welcome to you. I'm not the only person who is excited that you're here and thankful. We want you to know here at Propel Church that you are not just welcomed, you are wanted. So church, can you help me honor those who are here for the first time? Awesome. I want to celebrate something with you and just go ahead and give you a date coming up because in just a couple of weeks, uh, we are celebrating four years as a church. Come on. As we watched, we've watched God do some incredible things from the first uh, meeting that Tori and I hosted in November of 2014 where like 12 people showed up to, to what is uh, what is. Propel Church today. We, we just want to celebrate all that God has done and uh, the word that he's been sharing with me to, to share with you uh, on that day is going to be awesome. So we'd love for you to celebrate with us. You can go ahead and mark your calendars. There's a Facebook event you can click going to. But there's all sorts of stuff. Here's You know how like uh, if you have somebody in the family graduating and you invite them to come celebrate with you? Like do that. <laughs> just like bring people with you on that day because we, we'd love to celebrate with people on that day. It's our birthday party. It ain't no party like a Jesus party because a Jesus party just don't stop. So um, <laughs> this morning, uh, we are in week three of a message series called Roadblocks. And uh, Roadblocks is a series where we've talked about how uh, oftentimes in life, you and I end up having to take a detour to our destiny because there's some obstacles that get in our way, but we believe that if we can overcome some roadblocks, then we're able to make a beeline for God's purpose and plan for our life, and that's what we want to do. And so we've gone over the four parts of our vision here at Propel Church, which is this, and we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We believe if you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, everything in your life will begin to shift and begin to change. It's what we've modeled our church after. If you come to Discover, you're going to learn that that's really all we do uh, because we believe if you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, then you are going to experience that abundant life that Jesus has promised you. And so on week one of this series, we talked about knowing God. And then last week, we talked about some roadblocks for you and I in finding freedom. Today, I'm going to switch it up on you. I'm not. We're going to talk about roadblocks in discovering purpose. For some of you in the room, if I would have skipped three and went to four, you would be so mad. You'd be like, we've got to find another church. I can't do it. We've got to find another church. So we're going to talk about roadblocks to discovering your purpose. But here's what, before we just dive in today, here's what I want to do. I want to look every single one of you in the eye. Now, I'm going to look this way, but you're going to look at me because I can't do all that at the same time. But, but I want you to know something. I want you to know that God has uniquely handcrafted you. That like you're here today, not just in this place, but on this earth for a purpose. That there is a reason why you have breath in your lungs. One of the things we love to teach is that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't make accidents. So you're here for a reason and what our responsibility as a church is to do is to help you combat the lies of the enemy or the words of people you grew up with, which told you that you would never amount to anything, that you don't have purpose, that you don't have meaning in life. Because if you have breath in here today, there's a reason why you're here. Can I get a good amen? 
So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some roadblocks to discovering your purpose. And the reason why we've gone through this message series in chronological order of know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference is because I don't think you can discover your purpose outside of God. I think you can find some things you're really good at. Like I think you can find, but you're never going to find fulfillment until you tap in to the one who created you. So I want to talk today about some roadblocks. If you go in your Bible with me, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. Now, if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, then you may not know of the infamous giant slayer named David. But David uh, was start, didn't start out as a giant slayer. He started out as a shepherd boy. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, what we find out is that David ends up going to the campground because he was a, a shepherd boy in the field, but his brothers were off at war. And dad said, hey, I want you to take those boys a, a cheese board. And David was like, everybody loves cheese boards. So he loads it up. They're heading to the campground. They walk in. They give David. David's going to deliver this to his brothers. When he walks into the campground, he notices that there's a disturbance in the camp. And something's not right. Something, something's off. And so David notices that there's this giant named Goliath, referred to in this translation as the Philistine. And he's talking about him to other people, noticing that this guy is standing in defiance of God's army. He's standing in defiance of God's people. And so this is what David asked in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. It said this, so David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? In discovering your purpose, I think one of the things that we feel like um, has to happen is that we have to have, we have to be perfect or at least be almost perfect to discover how God uniquely designed us. David's first inclination, and this is not, it's not in my notes, but I'm going to teach it anyway. David's first inclination is not to go, how dare this giant stand in defiance of God? He's like, hey, what's going to happen to the guy who kills him? But you need to know that sometimes God will use your selfish motives to discover your purpose. Like God uses his, his motives weren't to, to kill the giant. His motives were to get something in return, which is the way we live a lot of our lives. David finds out that, that what happens is he gets to become close to the king and marry his daughter, all this other stuff. But anyways, um, so then it goes on in 1 Samuel 17, 26. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's just Christian cuss words. Like, he was just, he, all, all, <laughs> all the cuss words you're thinking about of like what he could be calling Goliath, yes, that's what he was doing. He just calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. That was, that was cuss words back in the day. Here's what happens. He walks in, sees this guy standing there, and there's something in him that stirs to do something about it. Because oftentimes, your greatest pain will become your greatest passion if you'll let God use it. So then he walks up to King Saul in verse 32, and it says this, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. But Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, for, and he has been a warrior from his youth. What's interesting about this in the very beginning, and, and it's, it's a natural tendency that you and I have, is to only look at the outward appearance of something. 
So when David is actually anointed king, um, David was still in the field. He was, he was nowhere to be found. His brothers lined up, and the prophet comes to anoint the king and, and looks at one who looks really strong, really masculine, and thinks that's the guy. And God says, he's not the guy, for the Lord does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. When Saul is making an assessment about David's capacity to defeat Goliath, he's looking at this giant, and he's looking at a little shepherd boy, and he's going, it doesn't work. <laughs> you can't do it. And what you, ha- you and I, in, in our walks to discover our purpose, what we have to be careful of is people who put you only or you can't statements on our life. Because if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, you're going to find that Saul, actually, when he is anointed or chosen to be king, that he says, well, well, I'm not from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm only from the smallest town. David, Saul couldn't believe in David because Saul couldn't believe in himself. So when Saul looks at this opposition that's against David, he thinks there's no way that you can do it. But David's position is your servant will go and fight him. If you want to discover your purpose, here's the first thing you need to know today. Discovering God's purpose for your life is signing up for a battle. So a lot of times in church, we, we teach people that like the greatest decision you can ever make is to follow Jesus. And I believe it is the greatest. However, I also believe it is the hardest decision you will ever make. Because here's the thing, when I chose to live for me, it was easy. I woke up and I asked me, what do you want to do today? And I did it. Whenever I choose to follow God, I'm no longer on my own agenda. I'm no longer the one who's in control of my life. What David is doing in this moment, as he's going to step into his purpose and his destiny that God has for him, is he's saying, hey, there's something that stands in the way of God's kingdom advancing, and I'm willing to fight it. When you begin to try and discover and unlock the purpose that God has for your life, you are, by all accounts, signing up for a battle. You are going to face opposition. We serve a real God who is really powerful. We also have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. So I like Satan doesn't want to give you a bad day. He wants to wreck your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill the plans and the purposes that God has for you. And he loves to crush that which is in seed form because if, it's, if he can kill it when it's a seed, it'll never take root and grow. So we have a real battle that we're signing up for. And I think as followers of Jesus, sometimes we don't count the cost of what we feel like God is calling us to do. And so when we're here, and I love what we do on Sunday mornings, but I I want you to, like, hear me for a second. I don't feel called to build an audience. I feel called to equip an army. Like, I don't feel called to just pack a room full of people and let them hear about God's word everywhere. I want to equip you to really deal with life. And what you need to know is that when you sign up to discover your purpose, you're signing up for a fight. You're signing up to combat the hell that the enemy throws your way. You're signing up for this. Spiritual warfare is not one of those things that's optional for a follower of Jesus. But it is an opportunity for your faith to grow. So, so you know, we face tremendous spiritual warfare because everything that is um, 
that takes place in the physical is actually rooted in the spiritual. There's an enemy that's crafty. There's an enemy that is working. And I think what you and I need to do is not just be fit for the fun, but be fit for the fight. Because it's all fun and games when we're celebrating, but then when, when, when people start getting mad and people start getting upset and warfare starts happening, half the people dip. This happened to Jesus. Or you can watch the, you can watch the stories. Everybody was fit for the fun when we were doing miracles, and then Jesus said, hey, I think you just need to know that, that many of you uh, say you love me, but you won't eat my flesh and you won't drink my blood, so, so you're really not with me. And they were like, I can't handle that. And like half the crowd left. You and I are signing up for a battle. We're signing up for a fight. This is the, the words that, that Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, hey, Timothy, which Paul was Timothy's mentor. He says, what I want you to remember is that you are a, a farmer, you're a soldier, and you're an athlete. And what he talks about with the soldier is he said, a, a soldier doesn't get caught up in civilian affairs. What he means by that is, there's a lot of us that spend our lives just trying to work around the civilian affairs of this world. But when you start following Jesus, you become a part of the king's kingdom. And now I go about the king's business. I'm fighting on his behalf. And that's what David is doing. David realizes that his purpose is tied to advancing God's kingdom. All of our purposes are. So then it continues on. I'm going to hit one more thing before I do that. I think calling is, is taught wrong in the local church a lot. Because what we teach people is to go after your unique calling, your unique calling, your unique calling. You and I actually have the same calling. It comes from Matthew. It's called the Great Commission. To go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes in our pursuit of our own calling, we negate the Great Commission. That's not God's intention. I'm going to talk to you in a second about your unique giftings, but here's the, your unique giftings just manifest in the assignment in which God has you in currently to accomplish the calling which he gave all of us, which is to make disciples. Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel 17, 34. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. So, so he's, he's, he's telling Saul about Goliath. He's telling Saul about this giant that stands in the way. And Saul's like, there's no way you could do it. And David says, let me tell you a story. One day I was in the field. I was watching dad's sheep. And then when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep and the flock, I went after it. I struck it in the head and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. That's gangster. If you're going to snatch a lion by its hair and then club it to death, I'm not fighting you. I'm just saying. He said, so I killed it. See, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Because what you need to understand is all throughout Scripture, what God does is he refers to you and I as sheep. David uses the illustration of him being a shepherd because what he's really trying to show Saul is there is something that's trying to attack God's sheep, God's people, and I'm not willing to let that happen. I'm willing to stand up for those who can't currently fight for themselves because David is really a depiction of Jesus. We're Israel cowards. Look, you and I aren't David in the story of David and Goliath. We're Israel, and Goliath is sin. 
where Israel could not defeat Goliath on their own, there had to be someone who stepped in to take care of that which they could not take care of themselves. So what David does is he's saying, hey, there's something that stands in the way of opposition of God's people, and I'm willing to step into it to make a difference. He said, so your servants killed both the lion and the bear. And then he says, that uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul looked at David and was like, dude, if you can do a speech like that, go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> You've met those people before, right, who, who, who experience great opposition but then can just pep talk their way out of it? I'm sure David had some fear. But here's what David realized, that God has been preparing you for what he's called you to. That every step of the way, what God has been doing is preparing David to step into the purpose that he had for him. That there was not a situation or a moment that was done on accident or by accident, but the entire time God had David in a preparation season. That God was preparing him moment by moment. I don't think David was sitting there watching the sheep in the middle of the field and a lion comes and he goes, yay, it's preparation. I was made for this. No, he picked up a club and he beat it and he sat down and was like, man, that was terrible. I thought I was going to die. And the bear came and he wasn't thinking, yes, I, I know I can do this. This is so exciting. A bear? Why don't you send three of them? You know, he's like, he's like, oh, gosh, there's a, a, a lion the other week and a bear this week. This is a, it's a pretty tough season. But here's the thing about seasons. We know that they end, and when we look back at where God has carried us, we know he's been faithful the whole way. God has been preparing you for what he's called you to. Your waiting season is not a wasted season. And just like Esther, Esther was stepping in. You can go read it on, on your own time, but there's a guy who looks at her, Mordecai, and he says, you were made for such a time as this. I don't know what opposition you currently find yourself in, but here's what I know. God's not just going to dump you and run. He's been preparing you moment by moment, situation by situation to step into what he's called you to do. And it doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, a lot of those things are incredibly difficult. Some of you who are in leadership will hear me from time to time share my, my story about my first six months in ministry. And so I just want to go, I'm going to share it with you today because um, I couldn't do what God called me to do now had I not gone through that stuff then. So my first six months in ministry, I'm two weeks in as a youth pastor and I have a student commit suicide. First time I ever have to teach to a large group of people that, that is a, a significant size is on how God views suicide. Yeah. Not a great message. Anyways, the next week, um, we're about to go into a season of uh, vacation Bible school. Some call it Baptist purgatory. I don't know. It's just, VBS is just one of the, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you that my first Sunday, the worship pastor quit from stage during the second song. And I had to do the intro after that. So he's playing music. He gets mad. 
and he takes his guitar off and he throws it in a case and he buckles it up and walks up and I got tagged to go on stage. Well, there was no other worship leader, so I just took us into a time of reflection because <laughs> there was a third song. I didn't know what to do. Week two, the suicide. A couple of weeks later, we have VBS, and the kid's pastor at the time got mad at a volunteer and punched the volunteer. Right. You just don't get to do that. <laughs> so then I had to fire somebody for the first time in ministry. A couple weeks later, found out that the executive pastor had been embezzling money and had to deal with a press release and a church-wide thing. That, And then a couple months later, found out that one of our kids' workers who was also running a daycare was charged with indecent liberties with a minor. That was my first six months in ministry. And it was hard. It was difficult. But it was the preparation that I needed to do what God had called me to do. And so I don't tell you that to go, man, he seems like he can carry a lot of weight. I tell you that to say, if you're going through a difficult season, know that God is preparing you to step into the plan and purpose that he has for your life. That the season you're in is preparation. We'll continue reading in verse 38. It says this, so then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor around him and a bronze helmet on his head and David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and he tried to walk around, but because he was not used to them, he said, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Next thing, if you're taking notes, and this is probably, this is the greatest roadblock that you and I will, will face in discovering our purpose. Um, realize that you weren't made to wear somebody else's armor. So... Armor in this time was specifically designed for the individual based on their capacity, based on their ability to carry weights, the areas of their body that needed the most protection. And so what David, what Saul does is he looks at David and sees that there is a, a really tiny individual who doesn't look like he can take on Goliath. So in his efforts to help him, he thinks, I'm going to equip him with my armor. So he puts his armor on him. David's walking in Saul's armor going, dude likes Thanksgiving. <laughs> there's a little bit of, of room here, and this feels a little heavy, and there's areas in this armor that actually leave me exposed because when you wear somebody else's armor, it's not the right fit. And the areas that leave you exposed are the areas that the enemy can attack. You weren't made to wear somebody else's armor. You were made to live out your unique gifts, your calling, and your purposes. So Saul gives him the armor, and David realizes it's not the right fit for him. When I first started preaching and, and, and teaching God's word a lot, I listen to a lot of communicators. So, And I talk with our team about this all the time. Like One of the healthiest things you can do is listen to a lot of people teach God's word over and over and over again. But early on, I would find myself in a trap of comparison. Like, man, I love that message. It was so great. I, I bet I could teach like they can. I bet I could teach like Stephen Furtick or Andy Stanley or Chris Hodges or all these other pastors who are uh, gifted, God-anointed communicators. And, and every time I would step on stage to try and teach like somebody else, I'd be wearing the wrong armor. Because you have unique giftings for a reason. 
If God wanted us to all look the same, he'd have done it at creation. You have a unique armor. You have a unique gifting. And the next thing I want you to write down is if you don't know the weapons God has placed inside of you, you'll pick up what others hand to you. So when I didn't understand my gift, when I didn't understand my unique voice and how God had called me to preach and teach and communicate, I would just try and carry the weapons of everybody else. And it doesn't work. David doesn't slay Goliath in Saul's armor. David slays Goliath with the armor that was specified for him. So your unique giftings do make a difference and they really do matter because God has handcrafted you and made you unique on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. But the truth is, oftentimes, it's a lot easier to pick up what other people hand to us rather than uncover our own weapons. But you can't fight with other people's weapons. Look what it says about David. So David then took his staff in hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them into the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in hand. He approached the Philistine. My question for you is, what's your weapon? What's the unique thing that God has given you to combat the enemy and to advance the kingdom? Because there's a unique gifting on your life. Not everybody's going to stand on stage with a microphone. Not everybody's going to sing on Sunday mornings. Some of you have gifts and weapons in the area of hospitality. I know there are some of you in here today that when you walk into a room, everybody lights up. That wasn't given to you by accident. God gave you a gift to be able to walk into broken and hopeless areas and bring life to it. Others of you have gifts with kids, and, and we need people with gifts with kids. I'm not talking about serving and propel kids. Like, if you want to, great. We need people with gifts with kids because kids need mentors more than ever before. They need strong men and women of God who are going to push them to listen and hear and go after God's plan and purpose for their life. What's your weapon? What's the thing that God has uniquely entrusted you with? For me, we've talked about it as a, as a team. My weapon is, is words. It happens through teaching and through leadership. It's, it's incredible for me to be able to, to have the opportunity to stand on stage and teach people and communicate in a way that everybody can understand it no matter what generation you're in. And not only that, but can make it e easy steps for you to not feel like every time you leave, you were just told how much you stink and how terrible you are at walking with Jesus. That's not the goal. The goal is to help you take steps in your walk. What's your weapon? What are the things that God has gifted you with goes on. I want to read you a passage in First Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one so, all throughout Scripture, we see this illustration of the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. It's not by accident. It's because God really wanted you and I to know that the body 
matters. So he gave us something that you and I would look at and see. Here's what I know about my body. My body has a lot of parts and all of them have to work together for my body to keep moving forward. He says the same is true with my church. I've got people who are fingers. I've got people who are toes. I got people who are kneecaps. I got some ACLs in the building. I got all of these different people who make up what is the body. And as they work together, they are moving in a direction because the church was never designed to be a monument. It was designed to be a movement. It's got to be moving forward. Here's what some of y'all know. I'm not trying to say you're old, but you know if, if your body moves in two different directions, that's called a loss of a hip. <laughs> the same is true with disunity. Right. Same is true when the body doesn't work together. Something's going to break. It ain't going to be fun. What part do you play in the body of Christ? What part do you play in advancing God's kingdom? And hey, look, here's what, what the natural tendency is, is to look at everybody else's gifts and go, yeah, well, well, mine are just not as noticeable as the other ones. So in 2016, I had my Achilles reconstructed. I had both of them reconstructed. You know, I've never seen my Achilles before. I never knew how valuable it was until it wasn't there. <laughs> but for real, though, like, you can't walk. Just because your gifts aren't exposed don't mean they're not necessary. What's your gift? One of the greatest gifts that I feel like I can give you as a pastor is to help you uncover your uniquely designed weaponry. And so every week you hear us talk about Discover. You can throw the, the slot up there. Um, so on September 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. at our office location in Mount Pleasant, uh, we've got this course called Discover that's designed to help you uncover the weaponry that God's placed inside of you, to help you uncover your gifts and your talents and your abilities, to help you uncover what God has already placed there. We go through some assessments, but we don't give you gifts. We just help you uncover the things that are already there. Because God, when, when you said yes to Jesus, when you stepped into that, that no God part, when you said yes to Jesus, you received 100% of the Holy Spirit. Like, God didn't go, I think they can handle 50% now. He gave you 100%, and as you find freedom and you step into discovering your purpose, you remove the things that stand in your way of the Spirit being in full control of your steps. So, we'd love to help you unpack that. I'd love to help you discover that, because it really does make a difference. So, I wanted to share that with you in today, because some of y'all are going to leave here today and be like, well, that was a great message, Pastor. I just didn't discover my purpose. I know. Hang out with me on Friday. So, because I really do believe um, that here at Propel Church, like, we don't need you to serve. You need to serve. Like, you need to use your gifts to advance the kingdom of God. Are there areas in our church that could use more people to serve? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not how, why or how we build teams here. You uncover what God has gifted you with, and then you use your uniquely designed weaponry to make a difference in the kingdom. So I'm going to read you one more passage of Scripture from, from this one. Jumping all the way down to verse 45, it says this in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 46. That David said to the Philistine, come against me. You come against me with your sword, your spear, and your javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom I serve, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike your head, I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Last thing for you this morning, never forget who you fight for. Can we pull that verse back up? I want to show you the beginning of it one more time. So David comes out, and the first thing he says to Goliath is, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. He points out his weaponry. David doesn't say, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come against you with five stones and a slingshot, and we about to throw down. So you come against me with a sword and a spear, a javelin. It talks about his weaponry. He says, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Whenever people teach about David, one of the things that, that like breaks my heart is when people say, David was the underdog. Like in David, David was the underdog in this fight. No one with the spirit of the Lord is an underdog. David stepped into battle with the Lord's backing, ready to charge anything that would come against him. Because when you are fighting on God's behalf, when you're not fighting so that other people can see your weaponry, but you're fighting on behalf of God, nothing is impossible. He says, you come against me with your weapons? No. I'm doing this for the Lord. And when you do things with integrity, when you do things for the Lord, giants fall. The enemy's defeated. What happens that day? It wasn't that Goliath stood there and, and came against David, and it was a really long fight. And for the next four hours, there was, there was this tiring thing that went about the campground. And everyone was worried who would win. David walked out, grabbed his slingshot, knocked him in the forehead, and he was dead. He walked over, he took his sword out, he cut his head off and went, told you, bro. I think, I think what happens when we follow Jesus is that we hear messages on both sides, like, hey, this is extremely easy, and this is extremely difficult, and then we go, well, I just don't know which one it is. When you're flowing in God's purpose, what you'll realize is that it's difficult to get to the place of battle, but once you step into the battle, you've been fit for the fight, and it's an easy battle to overcome because the God in you steps in to take over. So it wasn't a hard victory for David because he was stepping into his purpose. And I believe that some of us in this room today are exhausted and tired because we've been wearing the wrong armor. We've been fighting with the wrong weapons. And maybe if we looked at our life, it, would, it wouldn't be that we fought on God's behalf or we, we fought for God, but it's that we've fought to advance our own agenda or we fought to get our own promotion or we fought to make sure people knew who we were and how gifted and awesome we were. And none of those things are gonna bring you fulfillment. But when you start embracing the unique armor and weaponry that God's given you and you do everything to advance his kingdom, to fight on his behalf, you're filled with purpose, fulfillment. And did David have a lot of issues? Absolutely. But you know what he was known as? A man after God's own heart. So for just a moment, I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to do two different invitations this morning. For some of you in here, 
I believe you'd say, hey, Pastor, I'm, I want God to use me to advance his kingdom. I want to see people, I want to see giants fall. I want to see God use the weapons that he's placed in my life to defeat the enemy, to advance the kingdom. And so I want to pray over you right now. So, Father, for every person in this room who has weaponry that